It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 149, entitled FSE FTW. It was recorded on Monday the 8th of February 2021. I'm Nathan Wrigley, and each week I'm joined by some guests. As always, my co-host is Paul Lacey, but we're joined this week also by Leo Mindell. As always, there's quite a lot of news to go through as well. The first one is we talk about the full site editing and Josepha Hayden Chomposi's take on what will be included when that comes around. We also talk about her brand new podcast called WP Briefing, in which she's going to tell us all about what is in store in the WordPress project. We get onto the subject of Newspack. This is Automatic's news version of WordPress. Over 60 sites have now come on board. Let's see why that is. And then, what about the WordPress admin? Does it need a bit of updating? I think it does. And so, on the WP Tavern article this week, they talk about how that might be achieved. What about the WordPress commenting system? My guess is that you probably think that needs a bit of an update too, and so we'll see how that might be possible. Mobile Pages for Gutenberg is a new plugin by Pootle Press. We explore that a little bit, and we also get into the thorny subject, which was a continuation from last week, of Facebook versus Apple. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress is brought to you this week by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your A-B split tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is, it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress Block Editor. Check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello there. Welcome once again. This week in WordPress, I've no idea what episode we're on. It's 100 and... 49 would be my best guess. We've done quite a few of them. 149. Okay, I got it right. I'm pleased with myself. As always, I'm joined by this chap over here, Paul Lacey. Hi, Paul. Hello, you're right. Yeah, good. Paul's got a nice new yeah. microphone, as have yeah. I, actually. Quite pleased with it. And um, and I'm joined down there on the screen, it's like Celebrity Squares, by Leo Mindell. How are you doing, Leo? I'm very well. I haven't got a new microphone, nor have I got a new camera. No, Have you got a new um, camera, Nathan? I'm going to get a new camera. This is a sore point. The camera that I'm currently using belongs to a chap called Leo Mindell, um, <laughs> and he lent me it during lockdown because they were completely yeah. unavailable in the shops. Uh, and uh, I can count snow and the roads and yep. everything. Yeah, I can London count on no fingers the amount of times I've been to the post office to return it, and I promise that I will. <laughs> um, you'll, you'll need to give me a new postal address by the sounds of it. Leo's yeah. a, a bit in the dark. He's lost his lights this week, but if you're listening on the Oh, yeah. pack, pack them because I'm moving. I tell you what, though, even without the lights on you, the quality of your video is always extraordinarily good. So it still looks Thank great, you. even if you're a little bit on the dark side, um, which sounds really Star Warsy, but it's not. We are we are this week in WordPress. We are a, a sort of how to describe it. We we talk about the weekly WordPress news, the stuff that's gone on during the last week in WordPress. Just before we begin, though, a few bits of housekeeping. WPBuilds.com is our regular domain. You can find everything that we produce over there. If there's anything that you like about the stuff that we produce, then please head over to this link. It's the subscribe link at the top of the page. And if you go there, you'll get to our subscribe page. There's things like our Facebook group, YouTube channel, and buttons to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. 
We actually have a, a sort of quirky way of doing this show. We record it on a Monday and then I repurpose the audio and the video on a Tuesday. So it's a little bit, little bit strange. I'm not quite sure if the workflow is perfect as yet, but that's the way it's working. And lastly, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. If you're in, uh, in, the, in the market for a product or service in the WordPress space, go check that page out. These deals have been provided to us by the product creators, and not one of them has asked us to take one down yet. So it's a pretty reliable place. If you go to it, look at the deals, and then think, just memorize them and think in a year's time, wasn't that on that page? Chances are it still will be. So that's wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, but enough of that nonsense. Let's get into the WordPress news, shall we? Um, various articles. There will be some show notes beneath this um, if you're listening to this not live, but we'll try to make it pretty obvious as the show goes on exactly what we're talking about. And Paul's going to kick us off this week with something on make.wordpress.org. Yeah, so you might have heard of something called full site editing within wordpress.org that's coming for us that is part of the the whole Gutenberg project and you might be wondering how are they getting on with this project and Josepha Hayden who is the boss of the uh, wordpress.org project from what I understand has created a post for us called full site editing and themes where things are it's a fairly short article and I think that the thing that stands out to me is the subheadings okay so You've got the main article and the subheadings are what you should know about milestones, what you should know about the challenges, and what you should know about the timeline. Now, the final word in each of those titles, milestones, challenges, timeline, those are three words that fill me with stress uh, usually <laughs> when any project that I'm looking at. So someone wants to know what are the milestones, when are we going to hit this, what are the challenges, and when's it all going to get done? And in the article, she gives an idea of that timeline and the challenges. And I have to say, they've got a lot of work to do. I've tested out the full site editing now. I was kindly introduced to uh, some of the people on the full site editing team uh, by by uh, Birgit. And um, I've had a chance to have a look. And it, it kind of works, uh, but it needs a lot doing it, I think. Uh, but the plan is to get this full site editing into core by June. And there is a lot of work there. One of the things that they talk about in the article is that this whole project has six um, main milestone projects. And Josepha talks about some of the problems, the challenges with that, is that these six projects are happening on their own, but somehow they've all got to be merged together for this to actually all work. And I think that you can, I don't know if anyone's watching, but my facial expressions, I'm trying to be as... Um, optimistic as possible but i just want to know what's the rush that's my main point i don't understand why this has to be done by april and it needs to be in core by june i don't get it because i've tried it i don't know how they're going to get there quite honestly when I'm, you... I'm sorry for being so pessimistic i didn't mean mm -hmm. to i I meant to be more optimistic about this, um, but I, I, I can't. I can't see it. They are talking about MVP, minimum viable product. But the thing is, as soon as you put something into core, you've then that's the foundation you've got to build from. So going back on that is difficult. That's all I've got to say on that, really. Yeah. But good luck to the team, and when... thank you to all the team who are working on it. They're all working super hard. That's clear. I can see that from when I've 
had a look on the inside in the Slack group. I wonder if this, the milestones and the challenges and the timeline is unrealistic. Yeah, it's, it's not interesting. Happened before. Yep. We've all seen buildings planned, you know, Trump Towers or whatever it was, you know, it's in a documentary about that or any capital built or major IT projects or it's the UK's testing system for COVID got rushed, doesn't work properly. I'm a bit worried about that. The um the the there's a line in the the piece by Joe Seffer I'm showing it on the screen now. It's quite near the bottom. It says uh, April 2021 for the prototype in the Gutenberg plugin is aggressive. So the Gutenberg plugin is kind of where they where they test all this stuff out, and then hopefully the idea is that that will be pushed into core. And she describes it as as aggressive, but also very very attainable. When you when you had a little play this week, were there any sort of standout things which made you think this is this is a long way off, or or is it is it more that you're just used to a full suite of working tools? I know that you're the you're a user of Beaver Builder and all of that works, and it's been working for years, and everything behaves as expected. Was it just the sort of juxtaposition of those two things, or were there bits where you thought I, I just don't even know what to do here? Uh, juxtaposition is probably the right word, not necessarily just comparing it to Beaver Thema or other tools that are similar to that, but any tool that is looking at these three defined concepts in most information systems these days, which is structure, design, and content, and the separation between those things and how conceptually you separate them in any user interface. I think that the system that they've got at the moment, trying to merge these things into one, I know that that's Matt, one of Matt Mullenweg's uh, big um, concepts in his mind about, he talks about it on a few podcasts, you know, you've got this, this over here, this over here, this over here, let's pull all those things together. Well, it might work. And if they pull it off, I'll be really happy. Um, mm. But historically, there's a reason why those three layers of things have been quite clearly separate in any system. And it's because they tend to need to be because you've got different sides of the brain thinking about those things. So when you flip from structure to uh, to content to design in one system that looks kind of the same, it's challenging for the user, very challenging. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's a big job they've got. And I don't envy Josepha and the the people who are in it working really hard on this and with, with these deadlines. The... Um... One of the other things that occurs to me is that companies like Element or Beaver Builder, Divi, and all of that—they've got their own, they've got their own roadmap and their own set of customers who presumably they listen to. But basically, they're on their own. They can just do what they want. They can just implement things. That's number one today. We're going to do that. We'll work on that until it's finished, and we'll scrap it if it's you know not not needed. And they don't have quite the legacy that WordPress have got. And so, you know, you can imagine the millions and millions of websites where they need to make sure that this is all working. So there's there's that baggage. But it also occurred to me, I was lying awake last night actually thinking about this, believe it or not. And it just occurred to me that have has WordPress in the past, can you can you think of any I've been using it for let's it's probably about seven years. So I don't go that far back. Have they ever taken on anything as big as this this whole Gutenberg thing? You know, not only the block editor, but now the full site editing. Because up until now, they were using a third party software, you know, this tiny MCE, the classic editor. That was just all sort of done 
it was, you know, somebody else was taking care of that and they just plugged it in and made sure that it worked with all of the constraints that WordPress has got. And it, it sort of feels to me that this is really new ground. And so a commercial company doing this where they can just deploy whoever they want for any length of time, that's one thing. But we've got the open source project trying to fix this. That's a really different, um, that's a really different beast. It is. Um, we were talking earlier about, uh, first of all, I don't know if you remember, Nathan, but I'm sure I mentioned to you about a week ago that I genuinely lost sleep the day that I tried out full site editing. Yeah, you did. You said, did I, yeah. Did I tell you that? Yeah, yeah. I had a really bad night's sleep. And that was one of the things that was, I was, you know, you said you were lying awake thinking about it. I was lying awake thinking about it as well. And, and I was lying awake stressed for the people working on it under the deadlines that they've got. I thought, how are they going to get to something that isn't a bad foundation potentially? I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to learn more about it. And that's why I joined the Slack group and started connecting with people so that I can try and understand a bit more and remove some of the probably incorrect assumptions that I've developed from the circles that I mix in. But if you look at something like an Olympic team, we spoke about this earlier, you've got all sorts of individuals uh, from doing their own training things, coming together and that olympic team won't be successful if it doesn't have a structure of management that is appropriate for what the challenge is they're trying to do so yeah if you want to bring an olympic team together and the, the plan is to run around for a bit and have fun you know just have a good time you, it's not, it doesn't really matter but i think if you really want to make a a world beating um enterprise or well-beating product or well-beating team there's you need to look back at history and see how people did that and i don't think that the open source methodology for the the full site editing projects and the block editor in general has 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 enough um of that structure in place and i want and that's why i just would like them to consider slowing down a little bit Again, I could be completely wrong. I'm just saying it as I see it. No, I think what, it's... what you are effectively saying there, Paul, <laughs> is that innovation. You know, it, it's easy to innovate in a small team. It's easy to come out with ideas and concepts and to move forward. Um, but when you start getting things into a committee environment, trying to move those things in that agile approach forward becomes very, very difficult. And if you look at the way that uh, we have in WordPress is that a lot of those innovations start off in small teams. A lot of those innovations start off in small companies. And when they become super successful, the winning one, if that's the right word, gets chosen to they then come part of core. And maybe hypothetically what should have happened is it's like, okay, we want to move towards a block style editing system. All of those out there and the Beaver Builders, the Elementals, et cetera, et cetera, we'll, we'll choose the one that wins uh, rather than come out with an alternative. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It, is, it is super tough. I think you're right. I mean, if you look at any software company, so if you take, for example, Microsoft, you ask, did they innovate any of their software or did they create it in the first place? Word, Excel, these were all purchases a long, long time ago. Maybe there, maybe there is nothing left that shows of what there is there, but the, the core concept was was an external purchase. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and with there being so many successful page builders out there who probably could be acquired, brought into the team, it's, yeah, it's an interesting argument. I, I just also, don't know. 
also we don't know what's going to be the winning thing that you know one of the companies out there who's really good at buying things working out if it works and if it doesn't work dropping it is google mm. there's so many products that google you like you you sit there and you scratch your head like picasso is a good example uh you know we've, you know, who had a picture library in picasso that's I now did. defunct yeah um you know so many things some of them they get really badly wrong but some of them you know that they come out a winner i am a bit worried at the moment about the block the gutenberg block approach not because i don't believe in the approach sorry that's the wrong words but will this be the winner um it seems to have got stuck in it seems to have got stuck a number of times when it's it's tough yeah well i guess time will tell the 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 surefire way for it to fail is if nobody contributes and so if you go over to this page there's various links the one that i'm showing here uh is showing oh wrong one apologies it's this one is the sort of milestones that josepha says are going to run concurrently so the first one is infrastructure and ui uh browsing styling theme blocks the query block or query block and then and navigation block all of which need to kind of all be working, I would have thought, all at the same time. So they need to all be brought to fruition. So they're going to be working in parallel. And then hopefully by the time that uh, 5.7 drops, we'll, um, we'll have gradual adoption, which is milestone seven. So it's interesting that she's mentioning gradual adoption. Um, uh, let's just see, see, see what happens. But what you may find, Nathan, is that while you know, going, being, being the positive to the negative of whether it ends up being Gutenberg. We have to move to this sort of approach. Mm. And it may be that this is the opening gambit that enables people to get away from what we, we had before. You mentioned before about editors, about, you know, they used tiny MC or CK editor. All of these things were external editors that eventually you need to bring in because before <laughs> some of us remembered writing things in HTML or just text. That was it. You know, you, your story was written in text. You you couldn't go on with that for much longer. Yeah, it's um, interesting, though, yeah. because looking around on the on the internet to various SaaS products, and we'll probably come back to this meme time and time again, th there are some companies, fairly small companies, I might add, who have really, to my mind, have hit this problem, just nailed this on the head. I won't mention the names, but I've got a few SaaS apps that I've acquired or inspected over time, and they've got complicated text editors that drop in images and left and right columns and da-da-da, basically everything that Gutenberg purports to do. Obviously, they haven't taken on full-site editing, but they they nailed it in a you know on day one when the platform came out. So, yeah, it's just interesting. I'm, I'm really bullish about it, I have to say. I, I think this is all going in the right direction. I haven't yeah. spent the time in the community like Paul has, so... But I, I suspect that if you I've rewound history, it's all about yeah, a little yeah, bit of yeah. time. Yeah, so but it's it's been very educational so far, and it's it's put something some worries to rest, but then raised other ones. Yeah, but also I think that's probably a good thing. The fact that you've you've had these worries now makes you start to think about the way you've got to prepare your business for it. But um, okay, okay, let's move on. That was interesting. Now I don't know if this next piece was as a consequence of what happened over the last couple of weeks because Josepha wrote that article and on various other channels there were people just sort of saying I am really confused what is the MVP what is the minimal vi minimum viable product that that is full site editing 
And and so this came around. Now, Josepha, who we just mentioned, wrote the previous piece, has launched a podcast. She's calling it WP Briefing. Uh, this first episode is 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes, roughly long. And it's something, to my mind anyway, it's something quite new in this space because it's somebody right at the top of Automatic just talking about what's going on. Now, she says in the piece that she's had this in mind to do for a very long time. She's been hoping to do it. And, you know, she's probably one of the more busy people in our community, I would have thought. But she's decided to make this something that she's going to do. If memory serves, it's going to be a once every fortnight, every 14 days or so. And she is literally just going to express the following things. The, the intention is that it will be, there's three bullet points, an easy-to-digest overview of a cool WP philosophy, a highlight of a community success story or a noteworthy contributor, a small list of things to know about in the coming weeks. Now, I'll be really interested in point three of all of those three, just because from somebody at her pay grade, if you like, telling us what's going on behind the curtain, I think will be really, really interesting. She's got, um, she's got a fabulous way with words. I was lucky enough to interview her uh, at WordCamp Europe and She's just one of those people who exudes, she's just so erudite. You know, she speaks and everything seems to be considered, even though she's making it up on the fly because she didn't know what my questions were. And the same I felt with this podcast. I listened to it from start to finish, and I just got the sense of somebody who, I don't know whether it was scripted or not. It felt like it was scripted, but I could well believe that it wasn't. But it feels like if you're really into what's going on in WordPress from a high level, this is one to add to your podcast player. And you can see on the screen, uh, if you go, there's links to subscribe on your normal players. And it's a, well, just go to Google WP Briefing and you'll find it was number one from day one uh, in the Google results. So you'll be able to get it that way. Did anybody listen to that, either of you? Yeah. What did you make of it? Um, I think uh, it's it's a really great move uh, mm. by Josepha. I do. And uh, there's a number of angles that I find interesting about this. Um, Matt Medeiros has just interviewed Matt Mullenweg, and that interview is on the Matt Report podcast. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I I'm still digest trying to digest what the answers to the questions meant um, because Matt Mullenweg is an extremely good. Uh, he'd make a very good politician, you know, in terms of getting asked quest tough questions and stuff like that. Um, with Josepha. I feel like she's addressing the need for a bit of PR in the way that Matt Mullenweg would probably be. It'd be great if Matt Mullenweg did a, a briefing or from time to time he was on this briefing, just chipping in with a few things uh, so you could kind of get a feel. I think when you see written word versus audio, spoken word, you get a bit more of a feel of the intent of what people are saying versus just the words that come out and i like this i'm going to be really interested to see what happens in every week as the project continues and i also felt this is something that we were talking about earlier nathan that i wonder if this one of the reasons that josepha has done this is for an outlet for herself being at the top of this extremely stressful i assume it's an extremely stressful project and putting things out and seeing response in comments, not always very positive. Now, I know I've been critical just five minutes ago, but I'm 
I'm being constructively critical and I'm being nice. Whereas you can read comments on things and feel that people are really attacking you. I wonder if this will be helpful for Josepha to have an outlet for some of the challenges that she talks about in the project. So she can speak about those audibly to people, the people who would then comment on the, that, those blog, uh, blog posts or little podcast would at least see the human that they're commenting at mm. and uh, be a bit more uh, aware of that. And also if someone like Josepha is in under a lot of pressure, uh, having this evidence that here I put out how it is, this is what people said, where it's much more of a human conversation now than it was a few weeks ago without the podcast, then the other big players in the com in the in the conversation, Matt Mullenwagen, whoever else is up there making the big decisions as well, would be able to assess the feedback more effectively. So I mm. think this is going to be an excellent outlet and an excellent internal feedback collector as well. Mm. So. Uh there's a couple of things I'll add to this. Um, first of all, Matt Mullenweg was on a uh, room on Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago um, doing a state of the word. Uh, for those that haven't used Clubhouse, it is an audio-only uh, social media channel, which at the moment, or platform, which at the moment is only open to iPhone uh, users, so iOS. Uh, very interesting platform because you need to be sponsored in to join. And if you do misbehave, uh, you not only you get removed, but also your sponsor gets removed. So it's quite uh, <laughs> easy to see who is who, and it's very easy to follow that through. Where I find these two stories collide is that we're talking about audio and uh, the validity of audio over text and considering that we're on a WordPress, which is a text-based delivery engine, and we're talking about that the teams and people at Automatic and other areas are moving into uh, using audio over text is quite, um, I don't know what to say about that or how, what to think about that. Yeah. How does that sound from your side, Paul? Um, yeah, that's one of the things that you can see that, that there's a reason behind it and it makes sense. But it's difficult to process exactly what impact it's going to have yet. Or, But what but, we know is that audio has a big impact these but days. But do you think that means that people are not trusting the written word or that they're looking for validity in listening to somebody because they've become... Um, uh, tainted by what we see in writing and particularly in things like Twitter, you know, where, where the toxicity around posts has become almost to the point when that social media platform is very hard to operate in. Can I just throw something in here? And, and it would be, I don't know if I've still kept it or closed the tab, but if you, yeah, if you look at on the screen, sorry for those people who are listening to this, I'm back to the original post and it's a post uh, and it's actually pretty light on links. But if you look at a post traditionally on make.wordpress.org, it's full of like hyperlinks to everything. You know, one word will be a track ticket and it'll hyperlink over here and there'll be another. In other words, there's just this miasma of stuff going on. And I feel that if you're just a jobbing freelancer in the WordPress space, you you get you go to the WordPress community and you look at this stuff and you are deluged with 
too many different things that you could be doing. You know, you go into the Slack, make make sorry, the, the WordPress Slack. There's just hundreds of channels you could join. There's hundreds and hundreds of things. And it just feels to me like this is a really nice way that Josepha could take the temperature over the last week and address one hot topic in a way that's consumable without the fluff of links or something else that you've got to go to to prove that that's true. It's just, here's the way it is. I'm going to donate a, a third of my time, so maybe four or five minutes, to this pressing issue, which just came up over and over again this week. And and if you want to hear me say it and put it into my own words, I just think it carries more impact. Now, I, I, I would imagine that podcasting isn't going to kill um, text-based content by any means, but it certainly supplements it. So what the, the point is, though, it's interesting to see that Matt turned up on Clubhouse yeah. to effectively yeah. do, you know, in the past, whenever it's been the state of the word, it's been a big, long process that he, you know, nobody's going to, we've all got to be ready for it. It's going to be this time a, ahead. Clubhouse, you can't pre-record, well, you can pre-record, but they don't like it. You can't record anything on Clubhouse, so nothing is kept. It's It disappears 30 seconds, uh, one hour after it's there. Um, <laughs> it's just an interesting move that they're doing um, to spread uh, spread the word out there. They're, keep, they're keeping this sort of in-house, actually, in a way, because the the, the, the the mechanism that they're using on the website to play the audio is actually a WordPress plugin it's called seriously simple podcasting it is by coincidence the same one that we use it's bolted onto castos uh which we talked about matt medeiros he's he works for them with craig hewitt and uh, jonathan bossinger to create it so they are kind of keeping it you know the editing interface for this is all in wordpress obviously you'll have to record it elsewhere but yeah it's fascinating i just i just thought it was a really nice attempt uh to 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 bring it back round and put some voice to it. And as Paul said, it just feels different. You can feel the cadence of people's voices and the way that they're, you know, maybe one week she'll sound more exasperated than others. Maybe an explanation will come out which just hits the hits the nail on the head. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So that was, I should probably mention the URL. That was welcome to your WP briefing. Oh, I did say, go Google it. You'll find it easily enough. So complete change of direction. This is um, this is a piece on WP Tavern by Justin Tadlock entitled Skinning the WordPress Admin, Custom CSS Properties on the Way. Um, so I don't know what to make of this. I, I By the looks of it, I think only good things are going to happen. But when I joined WordPress, like I said, about seven years ago, the first thing that struck me was how attractive the UI was. I was from Drupal, and the Drupal UI was basically just sort of hanging together. You know, it was terrible. It, it, whatever kind of default they stuck with five years previous to that, they just kept going with it. And I came to WordPress, and I was delighted by the way it looked. I just felt at home right away. However, seven years have passed, and to my mind, it hasn't changed one iota since then. Um, literally, I think if you go back to the, the version that I was looking at that day, everything's the same pretty much. You know, there's probably a few little contrivances here and there. But um, so in here, we've got this idea in WordPress 5.7, a milestone is to, is to come up with some CSS custom properties. And the idea being that we'll be able to use those throughout the UI. It'll be a way of sort of declaring this is how it should be from now on. 
And you're looking at this, if you're on the screen, you can see Kirsty Burgoyne. I don't know if she actually made this draw. Oh, no, it's by somebody called Kelly Choice Duan. Um, they're trying to sort of do things like figure out what the color palette would look like. My feeling is that SAS apps, generally speaking, are now superior in the way that they look and the way that they work than WordPress admin. So just to launch the conversation with us guys, do you think it, we need a bit of an update? And, uh, and well, that's it, really. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, you wanted a longer answer. Yeah, well, you um, can give me that. That's fine. So there's two, there's two things to unpack from this. Um, time moves on and everything. And if we only look at very fast-moving products, uh, for example, an iPhone or an Android phone, and you look at how they change and, and iterate over a number of years, uh, it, it moves very quickly. That is the case. You're absolutely right. WordPress backend now feels old, um, and it needs to move forward. The problem with moving forward is that you can only move forward if you have a framework or you end up making it really complex. And what this, to me, is approaching or what it's trying to solve is the ability to enable people to change some of it, but not having to worry about the where it sits in the future so that there is standards involved. And that's, that's key and critical so that you can actually move that palette forward, you can actually move the look and the feel and hopefully break very few other things in there. And we, you've covered very similar discussions in the past about notifications in the admin system and other things that sit inside the admin system or where they sit to make it better as a, as a consistent UX. This... Um, we're looking, uh, we're, we're staring at a color palette table, which uh, we just wish we had Pisha on this call now because she would be uh, <laughs> telling us what's right and wrong about our interpretation of that color palette. Um, is actually a great stage forward. I mean, we were talking earlier, does this cause problems to certain development developers and certain third-party plugins that don't follow those standards? Um, where do you see that coming back? You uh, you made the exact same point to me in a, in a sort of roundabout way, Paul, just before we pressed record yeah. on this. You were talking about one of the companies who you feel have nailed the UI interface over their entire suite of products, and that was Google with their material design. Um, I've got to say, it, it does look a long way ahead, doesn't it? You open up any any app, whether it be on the, the phone or the, or the desktop, the Google stuff, I, I personally think, looks beautiful always um anyway sorry i don't want to put words yeah, in your you mind. can't you can't we can't uh criticize wordpress the whoever you know the, the designers that have been involved in that over the years the fact is that google have zillions of dollars and they can i wonder how much was invested into creating their material design system and they use that material design system now across all their products so they make a product the product has the design system it doesn't even need to think about what color represents learning it's already done for them. I think it's purple. Um, the WordPress UI, as a result, does look old because we we see so much Android, we see so much iOS, we see so much macOS and Windows to a certain extent as well. And those systems have had the teams dedicated to working on that small detail that forms a foundation that everything else sits on top of. Again, it's one of the reasons why I get a little bit worried about the Gutenberg project because I feel that it's been a bit rushed um at times 
think about it like this though. A strange uh, decision was made um, in one of the recent versions of WordPress, one of the recent recent major versions of WordPress was to, whenever you're editing something in the block editor, uh, it, this was Matt Mullenweg's uh, request. So it just went in at the end. And yeah, remember this, yeah. When you edit the anything in the in the block editor, you lose the sidebar. So you're in full site editing, not full site, you're in full screen editing mode. Yeah. And you've got to wonder. It became the default, didn't it? When you just yeah. first installed it or, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think that I can understand better now the reason for that, that the UI for Gutenberg doesn't have a design system behind it. Not that I'm aware of. They're making it up as they're going along and that is not their fault. It's just how the open source approach is coming out in the wash. So you can understand why Matt Mullenweg would be like, this looks a bit weird. We've got this thing over here, which looks dated. And we've got this thing over here, which doesn't really have any system behind it. Let's hide one of them. Now we can't hide the block editor when you're editing because that's the thing you're doing. So we'll hide the sidebar. And I think um, what Kirsty's doing, Kirsty has been on this show as well. She's a friend of mine. She's actually the um, co-organizer of the Birmingham WordPress meetup. And so she's the... Uh, <laughs> Like, Did you deliberately uh, say that was in a me. Brummie accent? There was me. I I'm wasn't going to do the accent. So. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a native Brummie. I just try and hide it a yeah. bit when I'm doing this. Um, but as Leo said, to me, this is like a, a big step in the right direction. There's there's yeah. no chance that Kirsty can come in and go, I've, I've created an entire design system. But she's moving this forward and saying... But we need a, some kind of design system and the colors have got out of control. So let's let's make a step in that right direction. But do you think, does this not remind you, this reminds me very much of uh, when people started using Twitter Bootstrap and the fact that the Bootstrap um, didn't create a platform. It didn't create an end tool. It didn't even make it look nice. You saw pictures and you went, why would anybody want to do that? And then you go, Oh, right. I see. You've actually put down rails that are line these things up so everything fits in so that in the future it fits in. And you actually see that that comes forward in terms of how you then design things so that when you start doing mobile first and coming up, that the size of the blocks fit. So we're now getting more and more used to seeing very similar size blocks Um and then that makes things go forward. Um, a classic example of this going back way back is the size of a brick. A brick that you build a house is actually designed to be exactly the right size for somebody to hold in one hand. That's how the sizing of bricks came about. But you now look at that and that's how you see houses are built on that size. If the brick size changed, it will be very difficult to sort of then fit everything back together again you know you can't you have to have standards and this is putting a standard in where i would say there's potentially wasn't one in the past i like it i like the masonry uh segue that was cool mm, um I learned something today yeah That's yeah cool. i had no idea uh that i it didn't was know today, that. but but it is yep. probably makes common sense the there's quite a few pieces of commentary coming in so we'll, we'll actually go into some of those because I think some of them making some good points. But I would make the point are, are these the really nice comments from Asian yeah. Trailblazer, but Yeah, we yeah, we'll get we'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah, the first one. I'll I'll uh, call you after the show, Lee, and we'll yeah. arrange <laughs> yeah. So this is the first stage, getting these this sort of like CSS properties and um, color palette by the looks of it nailed down. And then it says uh, 
just to be clear, Justin Tadlock wrote this. It says, the second stage will be to look at how to implement the CSS custom properties with a system that makes sense. So the scaffolding, the rails that you described, that means doing the dreaded work of naming things. Um, and so essentially, I suspect we'll come up with some names, you know, WP underscore warning or WP underscore success or something along those lines. And and so that just just every plugin developer can ignore them. And, uh, and put their own UI on something, you know, like well, we've seen. You say a that, Nathan, times. They'll ignore them once. They'll ignore them once, and then their their plugin will break. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It will be up to them to fit into the yeah. system, and you know that that's life. That's life. Let's put up some comments first. We'll do that one, but we won't we won't mention it in the audio. Um, we'll go to this one. I've had um, enough now. I've already got two. Yeah, Agen okay. It's about babies. Agency trailblazer, which is Lee Matthew Jackson. Gutenberg makes the back end rather complex and probably very hard to improve. Controversial, I know. Now that was kind of your point, Paul, wasn't it? That the 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 two are so different now. They the Gutenberg editor and the admin area are so different that it was just apropos to hide one. Um, at yeah, the point we are editing yeah. It. How are we how are we going to improve this? Just hide hide the bad bit just it's a bit like when you're you know selling a house or something and someone comes to view it you shove everything into one room and hope that they don't <laughs> open that door yeah and when they do point. you have to explain oh uh sorry yeah, yeah. you know we're moving uh, house everything that room doesn't come with the house it's going to get updated yeah, yeah, don't worry there's actually a room in there yeah yeah um bernard grineau who's obviously very frequently on this show i don't get the dated discussion sometimes functionality uh, is greater than looks I, I, I disagree yeah, with that. I, yeah, I was going to say, I disagree. get what you're saying, but I don't agree. Disagree with that. If the the you know, that's good. that's just saying, like, all he's saying is the chocolate has to taste nice. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Good. I love it. Straight mm -hmm. in on the chocolate analogy, which, of course, is yeah. what Bernard does. That was great. I agree. You know, if it came packaged in a piece of cling film, you wouldn't want it. But if it comes in a nice shiny box. We, um, we don't know because Bernard still hasn't sent us any chocolate. Yeah, we, we still don't know what his chocolate is like. Uh, and then he goes on to say, 100% agree with the UI and the UX of, G of Gutenberg, which it lacks, especially when it comes to meta boxes um, and settings. Full site editing mode, Chris Hughes says, uh, he tries to turn it off about 100 sites, he says, it feels like, and it never remembers. <laughs> I I hate it, were his words. And I, then, must, I just must say with Christopher, um, I know we've all got to update our avatars, but that one is, for those that can see it, that is so out of date. <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm not. I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to comment. Mine is. Uh, mine's mine needs updating. I've got short hair yeah. in mine. That's right, it. we're okay. all a different. We all look different than a year ago. That's it. The COVID has done it to us. We need new COVID avatars. Right. Okay. We're going to move on because time is not stopping for us. What's the next one, Paul? Oh, actually, no, I snuck one in, which didn't make it into the show notes. So sorry about this. Um, I'll probably just mention this. I don't think this is going to be much use in terms of a conversation, but about 18 months ago, something like that, Automatic launched this uh, version of WordPress. So imagine WordPress.com. You can just sort of buy into it and you pay a small amount and you get a website. But imagine you could buy in at a significantly higher price point and you're a small newspaper and they just give you the CMS built with everything you need to run a newspaper without having to think about the tech stuff. You just, you know, you're a journalist, you write the article and you click publish and it's all taken care of. Well, that's Newspack. And as of this week, Newspack has reached the milestone of 60 uh, 60 publishing houses have launched, which doesn't really sound like a lot when you think about it. You're suddenly sort of sitting there thinking, that 
that's not really much. But it's the price point that's interesting here. The price point ranges between five hundred to two thousand a month. So quick back of the back of the postcard uh, calculation. Let's say they're all on a thousand dollars as an aggregate. That's sixty thousand dollars a month going into the back pocket of Automatic for a service which I would imagine was not significantly hard to put together. I say that in complete ignorance. Maybe it really was, but it feels like the experts at Automatic could do this for just any industry fairly quickly. So I don't suppose anybody's got anything to say with that. If they have, jump in now. If not, I'll move on. So a couple of things really quickly to say about it is that um, the SEO for Mm. news is very, very different to the SEO for everything else. Um, A, you're trying to put it into a different part of the google and other cycles um it is very very time sensitive of getting news out and it makes a huge 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 difference where you where you rank and rate for news stories we've only got to look at our own mobile phones and when there's an announcement that comes out you know and the phones goes beep 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 beep, and we're looking at who is who gets there first in your notifications and people then will start turning off other notifications, which is not the one that they're getting first and the new source. So it is very important. Um, Also, I'd argue that as where WordPress comes from or where WordPress should be going to from moving from a blogging platform in the long distance past to a news um, delivery system, this is quite important. If they've got this right, then it is going to be a big driver against other huge uh, CMSs that are out there that other news agencies use and is a small amount of money to pay for that service. Yeah, that's the interesting thing for me because it's it, it would be very difficult for me to sell a website and get that kind of retainer. That's just not the work I've been used to. But like Leo says, you know, if you're a publishing house and your business is to write journalistic pieces and post them and you want everything to just work in the back and this is this is peanuts to make it work um but it is interesting i don't know if there's another rival service but you're right about the seo stuff i get i frequently look at kind of like news feeds aggregated news on like google provide that for me in my android phone and as soon as i've read that piece once which is the first time i see it I'm not going to then read it on, let's say I see it on the BBC, I'm not going to go and read it on The Guardian if I've seen it already or whatever other paper I might be consuming. So that's a really good point, getting stuff out there and it always being up and, yeah. Anyway, there we go. Paul, anything? Yeah. Um, the most successful products that launch tend to take a customer's problem and reduce the friction to that problem or completely remove the friction altogether and that's usually a good you know a good product has that in mind when they, when it's been designed and i think if you look at the you know the the news industry now apart from the you've got all the gatekeepers the major channels and stuff like that and journalists aren't exactly uh getting pay rises at the moment uh, as a rule it's uh, a difficult thing to to how you know to, to a lot of news is coming from single sources if that's uh, the major channels etc i think this is good because i feel like wordpress.com automatic have looked at this problem and looked at the friction for these news agencies and news small news companies to produce content on a budget and i agree it's it's a very good price point i think uh, for a done for you solution and they've 
successfully launched this product and it appears to be working for these 60 news sites. Yep. Now there was a yeah, there was another art, uh, article that we covered just the other day where Automatic was looking at um, doing websites for $5,000. Uh, this was addressed in Matt Medeiros' interview with Matt Mullenweg uh, just a couple of days ago. And I did feel satisfied with Matt Mullenweg's answer on that. He said, look, we can't, we, we know that we could be a, it, this is word for word, but the impression I got was that he was saying, we would love to be able to send tons of web building implementation work to the community, the blue collar web developers or web implement implementers. We can't launch that without testing it first on a small, on a small segment. So he was kind of saying, Matt Mullenweg was kind of saying that this, this uh, websites with $5,000 thing kind of is getting launched as a test to see if there's an appetite for it, see if the price point is right. And if it works, then they're not going to send it all to Upwork and uh, the other company that he mentioned. They're going to look at opening that up to the, a community of people, a bit like the old jobs board on the WordPress.org website. So to me, this is something that nobody seems to have got too upset about this because it's not exactly looking like it's stealing food from people's tables. Mm. Um, it seems to be saying this is a really cost-effective way to do something good for companies that have got a budget and need to do something. And to be honest, if I got approached as a uh, independent web developer, for instance, and I needed to see, and a client came to me and said, hey, uh, can you make me a news website? I'd probably go and check out some of these news sites because clearly they've got 60 outlets now feeding back to them. And I'm starting to think that we can learn something from the success that this project project has as has, uh, independent site builders and implementers. So I, I think well done to this yeah. project i think it's uh, done well yep. and it's a good yep. product i i had my doubts that it was going to get to 50 or I, 60 I so it has w well without done. just very quickly just finishing on the, from my side uh, it's like any other vertical market so this is why you've got woocommerce which is a vertical market in e-commerce why you've got other vertical markets and as paul has already said another vertical market or potentially is the smaller site those builds eventually you end up with a product for it to be successful, it needs to customize itself to meet some of the demands. And when you've got a demand like news uh, that you've got multiple customers on, then you've got uh, a need. The one I think will be interesting to see is if Yoast come back on this and they come out with a better implementation of their news uh, delivery elements. Yeah. You've got to think as well is that news is just one of those things where you've got big teams pushing out content probably multiple times a day. You really are touching the website thousands of times every week so you know you just want yep. that to be under the stewardship of somebody who knows what they're doing okay that was I, I forgot to mention so i'll do it now that was sarah gooding newspack publishes showcase with 60 newsrooms launched on wp tavern next uh, up you know we have i think we should uh just skip this one and come back to this one because okay. Leo has a breaking news story, which feels I relevant. I see that. To I saw that actually. I'll stick that on the page. You'll have to bear with me whilst you uh, you look at the default page on Br Brave. What I mean, have you actually got a chance to read this? No, I read it the wrong way around. I read it that Parsley, which is a company I've never heard of, were buying WP VIP, and I literally <laughs> went, "What? What?" And I think it's the other way around. <laughs> 
So what it seems as my understanding is parsley, and thank you for pronouncing them because I was reading it parse.ly and obviously it's parsley. Uh, and you can see why their logo has been acquired by VIP. Um, and Parsley, from what I understand, is a content analytics engine uh, for uh, larger sites, which is why it makes sense to be sitting in VIP. Although that was never my thought that VIP was ever going to do services directly, unless I am mistaken. I thought VIP always passed services to third parties to do stuff with. But, you know, that's that's... That's the sign. So they are. They've just announced today on the eighth of February that they are per they're purchasing it and they're going to be rolling out the tools from Parsley to the VIP client base. That's my understanding. Have I read that right, Paul? Well, I haven't even had a chance to read it that yet. That seems to be that seems to be what it's saying. But I okay. think it feels like this is the first of a blog post that will be followed up by. Some more yeah, clarification. I think we should follow it up when we fully yeah. understand what it all let's, means. Let's read it so and take it, take it next week. Uh, so you, you heard, heard it here first, first so. except yeah, exactly. that it was published on WPVIP.com. We're just blatantly stealing it, but well spotted, Leo. Uh, no, um, you did hear it here first. You read it first on WPVIP. You're right. You heard it here first. Okay. Because we I'm said it. Yeah, yeah. We said it. I like it. I like it. The power of audio. We'll come back to that story this time <laughs> next week with a bit more um, insight. Right. So, Paul, this is Pixel Grade. I'm a big fan of Pixel Grade and their, their articles that they write about the WordPress ecosystem and plugins and products. And one of the things that caught me about this article is two, there's two aspects to this. There's a technical thing and there's a society thing. All right. So the technical thing is, this article is called Improving the Word... Oh, could you put that back up? Yeah, yeah sorry, you. sorry. <laughs> Improving the WordPress comment system to encourage conversions. Conversations. Conversations. So Pixelgrade, they've got a very strong design uh, skill set. They make themes, plugins, and they've, they've, they're very high-end in the, the level of their design that they do. And they've taken one aspect of WordPress, which is one of the most important at the moment, which is the part where we communicate, the comment section. And they've proposed a complete rework to how it should be designed. I'm not going to go into the details of exactly what they're emphasizing here, but they've put the work into this tiny little detail. And that's what I love, that they've probably spent a month at least looking on this. Experts, 20 years working in design, whatever it might be. I'm not saying the people working on Foresight Editing and Goodsburg are not experts. They are. But this is the right person at the right time to look at the comment system in WordPress. I like the level of detail, and I would like to see those kind of things addressed by WordPress before we jump into Foresight Editing experience. So accessibility, how you communicate with comments on WordPress, the design system, the color, the color rules, I would love to see those things prioritized ahead of this rush for the full site editing. The social society um, part of this article, which I find really interesting at the moment, is there's a lot of people that don't trust what they read on the news. They don't trust what they see on social media. People are getting censored on social media. And if you have a platform where you have conversations, like a Facebook group or, or anything like that, you are having that, those conversations are happening and your audience is, it's not on your lawn. 
This is this is not on your property. Um, the great thing about WordPress as a platform is that if that's where your conversations are hosted, you own that platform. No one can turn you off. The nearest you can get to being turned off is if you are hosted on Amazon or Google and a bit like... Uh, was the the app that got turned off the other day from those platforms? It was um, oh, uh, begin, does it begin with P? P? It does begin with P. Oh, yeah. um, I can't remember. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a WhatsApp type tool um, got turned off by Apple uh, by uh, Amazon and Google, yep. and uh, and as a result, it's uh, it couldn't operate as a system anymore. I love this because the level of detail, and I love that with us with people concerned about having the right platform that they own where their conversations that happen around their audience are on a property that they own. That's why I think WordPress would be really well advised to be making the WordPress blogs a fantastic place to communicate with your audience and move away from social media. Yeah. So, go on. Sorry, Leo, you go first. I've got about four things to unpack there. Uh, Paul, I don't disagree. They should be doing this instead of doing full site editing. I think they're two separate things. Um, and it's very, very dangerous if you just go down one track and don't do everything else. You need to do both at the same time. So I, that's a disagreement with you. Uh, there is nothing new under the sun, is a comment. And if we think back to the reality of what WordPress was set up to be, which is a blogging platform uh, with comments, it is funny that we are what it was originally set up to be has drifted so far away that we forgot that it actually did this. It actually did this yeah. at the beginning of dawn yeah. of time um, and it got yeah. taken over by other people on social media platforms. We were turning off the internal WordPress comments and then putting in horrible bits of code so that you ended up with the Facebook or some other blogging or thing across the bottom. And then um, at the end of it, um, but the actual thing that I absolutely agree with is it's got to look good. Um, and so it is funny that it's going to go round in a circle. Finally, I would say, um, the, your comments are not being on your own lawn, uh, is something that myself and my partner who passed away a number of years ago used to say all the time and still say to, uh, governing bodies and federations in sport, all that time that you spend putting and saying everything is on social media is doing nothing for your product. It is doing everything for theirs. The minute they go and watch those highlights on YouTube, they will watch, be watching some dog on a skateboard straight after and <laughs> no loyalty to you. <laughs> That's great. I like that. I'm going to use that exact phrase. It's an interesting one. A, I get it. I've switched off comments on facebook because essentially a lot of the work that i've done is just pages it's got you know there is no commentary it's a page and they don't want to be they don't want their contact form having comments but you get the point i love this article like paul says i love the attention to detail i think we've gone completely as leo says in the wrong direction i've got facebook comments on the wp builds website simply because on day one of launching the podcast i wanted to get an audience quicker and I knew that Facebook would come pre-packaged, pre-logged in and all of that. But I'm I'm at the point where I'm trying to move away from um, as much social media as possible. Obviously, I've got my own uh, skin in the game and I'm going to keep going there. It's interesting. Lee Jackson, who was in the comments here, he put out a podcast episode this week about his, his desire to more or less shut down 
the social media side of his life just because it just leads to so many different issues. And so I think something like this, getting back to WordPress comments, uh, is a great idea, making them look attractive, making them feel as good as the experience on platforms like Facebook. Perhaps, I don't know whether we want to be logging in from Facebook, but keeping the comments over on our side, don't know. But yeah, thank you. And there was a beautiful comment. I don't know if you saw this, Paul. Uh, sorry, I'll just share everybody's, get everybody's face out of the way. Uh, from Oana from Pixel Grade, she said, thank you so much for your kind words. The simple fact that you took the time to debate our article about conversations means a lot. Way too often our articles don't seem to be newsworthy, which implies media publications within the WordPress ecosystem do not cover them. Knowing that you guys zig when most publishers zag means the world to us. That's a nice, nice comment. Um, Nathan, okay. uh, something that I'd like to add uh, to this discussion, which is, again, the society side of things. Uh, you were saying, you know, um, maybe you would plug in your Facebook account into the commenting system or something like that. Um, something that Leo and I were talking about just before we went live and Leo said, hey, hold that until we're live, was I was starting to um, talk about this idea that I had whereby instead of the commenting system connecting to your Facebook account or your Twitter account or something like that, maybe 10 years in the future, we all have our own cloud account, which is some kind of centralized open source API. And we don't need to connect it to Facebook. We can tag whoever is in our network using a open source cloud API that connects us all without any uh, algorithm trying to show us dogs on skateboards or whatever it might be that we it thinks we're interested in or trying to pull us back into conversations uh, when we don't want to be and distract us and uh, help those platforms that, quite frankly, make trillions as a result of us engaging on their stages. Yeah, there was a platform, and I could be misjudging what it was trying to do, but there was a platform about five, maybe eight, nine years ago called Diaspora, um, which purported to do the same thing. It was going to be a sort of uh, like a Facebook, but you you held your own data. And it, I guess it would maybe poll your computer for the data that it wanted to present on the page. I can't remember how it worked, but it sadly it was a it was a gigantic flop. But, but the, it feels like its day has returned. Maybe the problem yeah. with this, and the problem is always, is that once something gets to the size that it becomes usable, yeah, it becomes another Facebook, yeah. And then the issue you have, and there was a great program it was uh there's a there's a sunday morning in the uk a sunday morning program uh where they asked the big questions i can't remember exactly i think it's called something like that they, uh, the question they were talking about two weeks ago was about who should control social media and the argument came back from one guy it's like well we can't trust the social media companies okay fine great understand that so uh someone said well then we should get the government to manage it no we can't trust the government so you sit there go um that means you don't trust your elected people to manage something. So how do you want those people? How do you want to put somebody in charge of this? Well, we'll choose them. Well, that's called an election. And it's really <laughs> difficult because when you get to that level, people just don't naturally trust the control that's in there. And they then want to break the system up and breaking up these systems into like they did in America with the baby bells of the telecoms doesn't work because you can't then deliver what you want to do, which is a system that enables what Paul 
I, I Paul's got a great idea. It would be brilliant, but you'll find that the c- control of it. Uh, we'll just scan your eyeball, Paul, and then you will believe you, whatever you say. I think it is possible, and I think the technology that could underpin it is the blockchain. Um, it is you could have a blockchain-based system of commenting. I mean, nobody's built it because there's nothing in it for they anybody. Did. You know, there is. They did. And did it they just fail? It. Yeah. Uh, I invested in it and I got my money back because it never ever took off. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel though that it. yeah, but those conversations were not on people's minds at the time. Whereas I, I really do feel that there's an undercurrent of people who are disaffected. I'm not saying it's the majority. It probably represents less than one percent. But maybe there's a there's a there's some scope to get that one percent on an open blogging platform, not even a blogging platform. What am I on about? That's called WordPress. Just an open commenting system um that you know can store but bits you, of it all over it, it comes it comes down to this whole issue of trust of the person and that's why i was talking about um clubhouse earlier why clubhouse at the moment has quite authentic conversations is because you can't hide behind uh fake names you can't hide you have to use your own email address you have to use your own mobile phone number to get in and then you can be thrown out if you misbehave um that's the problem with a lot of social media and why we've all got mistrust of it and mm. why those comments, you know, we've, we've seen it and, and companies are just as bad. You put up a product uh, to sell something and then your competitors have the ability to down mark your own product for no other reason than to find a competitive advantage. It's a yeah. tough call and the legitimacy of people is, is, is hard to prove. Well, I, I want to, do a little bit of a segue here. I'm going to miss out that next article, Paul, and go to this one because it feels like this is the right moment for this one. So this is this sort of fits in the category of not really WordPress at all, but it's quite interesting. And it, we've been talking about comments and Facebook and so on, so it feels like a good time. We've been tracking this story for about the last three or four weeks, but essentially it goes like this. Facebook are feeling the pressure because Apple on the iOS side of things are going to start prompting people to allow tracking. So in other words, if you upgrade to the latest version of iOS at some point in the future, I don't know, I don't have an iOS device when that date's going to be. When you open up an app such as Facebook, you will have to make a decision. And the wording is the contentious bit. It says something like, do you want Facebook to track you? And so Apple have got this. Facebook have gone back with a bunch of press that they, you know, they bought full page adverts in some very large publications uh, over the US and and they're trying to push back. And so this is quite an interesting one. So it's tennis. We're on the, we're on the Apple have served. We're now doing the return by Facebook. And so what they're going to do is they're going to start launching uh, a pop-up in your Facebook app, preempting you with the news that this is going to happen in the hopes, I presume, that you will be persuaded that you should click the allow tracking option. They've got a point. I don't, well, I know what I would do, but their point is, you know, not, they're obviously underplaying the fact that it's going to kill their revenue stream by a, by a significant amount. And they're going more for the, well, what if you're a small business owner and you're relying on Facebook ads? All of this Apple technology is going to do is is stop those people serving legitimate ads to people who just want to know what's in their local area. Or they're looking for a new washing machine. We'll give them washing machine adverts and so on. Um, but it's interesting, the sort of volleys going on. You can imagine there is no love lost between Tim Cook and uh, Mark Zuckerberg at the moment, but we remain to be remain to see. I feel so, like 
Apple have got all the tennis balls and they've got um, Goran Ivicevic serving and they've Facebook have got me on the other side okay. with, so, a, so with a rounders won lost, So they've won and lost some of these in the past. Um, yeah. The classic one, which actually is one, we're one month the other side of, is they took on and destroyed uh, Adobe Flash. And that got turned off a month ago, as we all know. It finally, yep. finally got decommissioned last month. Um, they've also taken on, and I would say haven't really won. There's rumors that the new I, um, uh, Mac books will finally go back to actually having more ports than one. Um, and that there will be, you know, so and you won't have to convert the MacBook into every single other thing that you've ever had to plug it into <laughs> on this yeah. one there's some really interesting views on, on both sides we are you know the argument that advertisers have had their own way um, is difficult to persuade you not that you don't disagree I look at this and say what will change will be the business models to adapt classic example of this is that uh, if you look at the um cord cutting generation so that's people who don't have tv linear tv uh they're still seeing adverts but they're seeing them in a different way because mm. things like uh, netflix and other things don't do their adverts in the way that we all grew up where you're watching and then 13 minutes through you have this three and a half minute advert break uh, so they're having to adapt and maybe we're going to see the same thing happen it won't mean that if anybody thinks that this will come out and that will be the end of advertising and you're never going to see adverts again, that is not going to happen. Uh, in fact, I would say that we're probably consuming significantly more advertising uh, time than we ever have, um, you know, because we're we're watching our screens significantly more than we ever did because there's just so much content of interest and it sits in our pocket. What My feeling on this is that there were unexpected consequences to the technologies that were built that nobody predicted. Nobody built the cookie for any other reason than just to keep state. To, he's logged in. Let's just, we know he's logged in. That's him. And then people came up with ingenious ways to figure out what that did. And then you got, you know, browser fingerprinting and all these other technologies. And it was never invented and it became the default. The, an industry, an advertising industry grew up around it. But I don't know that that justifies it. Just because we always have done it that way for the last few years, I think now we're seeing that, well, certainly from my point of view, I think it's okay to have the technology available to say, stop, if I wish to stop. But um, I think Apple will win this but we one. Were, what I'm saying, although I wish we would, you, we won't. Mm. Um, that isn't what will end up happening. We will just move. You always do. Classic example was that, you know, people were sat there and came out with adverts. And then there is a great podcast uh, episode on uh, Reply All where they did the guy who invented the pop-up and he literally, you know, apologized for breaking the internet <laughs> at the time uh, because it was supposed to be just a small little thing that yeah. was there and, and all of a sudden uh, – sites yeah. became invaded by that yeah. now literally everybody i know runs some sort of ad blocker to try and just keep the number of adverts down to a a, a level that they can cope with it doesn't stop all adverts on a site but it just keeps that level down yeah uh, that's the reality yeah. of where we are we're gonna have to see maybe you know maybe facebook can 
I don't know, God forbid, have a have a charge, put a, put a price tag on its service and make us all pay $20 a year or something or a month. I don't know. You pay to, somehow. Yeah. I don't it know. Depends. Anyway, you, interesting. You may not see, you, but what you may see is you may not see charges for the core, what we regard as Facebook, but you may start seeing charges because Facebook buy content. So, yep. for example, you know, they may have the tennis next year or something like that, and you will pay for that or something like that. So there will be a service come out that way. And Bernard making a good point that it's not really all about adverts. He's not bothered about getting personalized ads. It's all the other stuff. And, of course, that's true, isn't it? It's all the other data which is being off. Oops, excuse me. I pressed mute on myself there. All the other data that's being siphoned off. Um, that we, Literally, I've got no idea. But watching things like the the social dilemma, I think it was called that, it was it was a it was a bit of a moment for me of pausing and thinking. Boy, they really do know a large amount about me, location, and you know what my what my favoured thing might be. To the point where they're able to predict that somebody's pregnant who doesn't know they're pregnant. <laughs> it's just absolutely bonkers, right? Okay, that was the that was we weren't supposed to put that there. But Paul, what about you? You got something on this or? Um. I think uh, I'm with Apple. I just say that I, I, I'm with Apple on this because currently I am kind of de-platforming myself a little bit if I can. I haven't got much more to say on it. No, it's okay. That's it's just right. a really interesting, it's an interesting article for those people who've dipped in even just a little bit and see what's going on here. But yeah. um, I mean, the, the Facebook's response with this preempted announcement on their platform i don't know that feels slightly misguided i don't know how that's going to work out for people uh because it, even all the 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 whole of the instagram um influencers they, they've all been talking about i don't i'm not in really in instagram but from what i understand uh instagram's terms of service updated recently and made it really difficult for the influencers to do whatever it is that they do on um, Instagram, take photos of themselves looking beautiful or whatnot. And, um, <laughs> but it, but the terms of service for the end user were frightening to, to a certain point, if you would read them in a certain way. So I think that this is, this, you know, Facebook's got a lot of money to lose here. So they've got to yeah. do something. Luckily, They've got quite a lot of money to lose, so money. it's fine. They've um, got a lot of money. Will their pop-up? I wonder if they don't do the pop-up, what would be the difference on their bottom line? How many houses could we build, Lee Jackson, with the money saved by Facebook by putting that pop-up on there? And we're hoping for an exact number to come into the comments. Oh, no. any how, how many now, dollars? Yeah. Um, that that yeah. pop-up's going to make a difference. But it, it, interesting, though, that it's, it's, a, it's a company that's basically the almost like creating yeah the regulation is created almost by a, another big company almost like a almost like a government ought to do if but as this I said, is I, exactly I, I, drew, yeah. I drew that parallel of yep. uh the one with uh, adobe flash because the reality was we were all happy at the time using flash or i wouldn't say content uh, but they just literally said this isn't going anywhere forward and we've got to look at it and i do not know if this is a preemptive strike, if that's the right term, from uh, Apple, knowing that if they don't get their own house in or if they don't be proactive about this, then everybody else's houses are going to get 
knocked. And I do think it's something that uh, we've got to see where it's going. I, I also um, think it's a really clever marketing opportunity for them to really push the the difference between iOS and Android. You know, th this is the beginning of a real divergence. You know, up until now, th there have been features one has and that the other doesn't have. And, you know, you could argue about which one's better, I'm sure. But this is some clear blue water that's opening up. And, Paul, you've totally, you've just changed Allegiance. You've just Am I right? You, you did say that earlier, yeah, right? You bought an iOS device, and some of it was based upon this exact thing. It, well, I think what it is is that when Lindsay, my wife, said, why have you got an iPhone, a brand ah, new iPhone okay, 12, okay. <laughs> and I said, because I'm concerned about privacy. Yeah. It was kind of one of the reasons, okay. but really I just wanted to get a new phone that was yeah. cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in answer to Bernard's question, I pay for YouTube to get rid of the ads, although I don't really pay for it to get rid of the ads. I pay for the the premium service that gives you the music as well as a few other things on there. And I, That's I really think... interesting. That's really interesting mm -hmm. that you've gone down that route, Paul, because I haven't. Although I've got, I mean, that is literally the one and only one that I haven't gone down the route of. I still have, have Apple Music, uh, Spotify, mm -hmm. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, but I haven't bought the YouTube one. I just yeah. watch a lot of YouTube and the amount of ads is excessive on YouTube when you're, you know, watching one video after another. And I'm very pleased with the ad free YouTube. It's awful when I accidentally sign into the wrong account and it's really jarring. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. Yeah. Facebook. I feel ads? they don't not, push that so at much. all. You are joking. No. Nathan. I don't. I don't you get. Have, I you don't have get. an iPhone then. Every single time you hit a YouTube thing, it says, "Would you one month one month free before you can watch this video?" Every single time I hit. Okay, play that's on interesting. It. No, on my Android device, which is by a third party, it's by a company called OnePlus. So I don't know if there's you know something else going on there, but um, no, I, I never get that. I never get told to upgrade to YouTube anything. But then I have a Google, I have various paid arms of Google, so maybe they leave me alone because they know I'm already giving them a little bit of money here and there. I don't know. Interesting. I would happily I would happily pay a little modest amount for a de-advertised Facebook. But so I also want to, so Leo, what you were just saying is a classic example of what I don't want to get into. I, I, I just want one thing for each that I don't want I don't want um you you paying for two music services I wouldn't want to do that as an example I just want to get everything stripped right down to the the bare essentials for me and my family I think when you start doing the numbers and it becomes quite frightening yeah think back to you know uh, you know you go back to 25 years ago and what you used to pay for well 25 years ago you paid for 30 years ago you paid for your tv, TV license. license yeah that was it um and tax <laughs> and tax it so now you're paying for um broadband at home 40 to 60 pounds a year sorry so 40 to 60 pounds a month these are all monthlies aren't they uh the netflix is nine a month I think yeah, it is now. If, yeah. Uh, amazon is about the same uh disney plus is seven um you've got um the apple music i think is 22 pounds a year 24 pounds a year for the basic one uh spotify is 10 quid a month it just suddenly you're going hold on i'm paying yeah yeah hundred and something pounds a month yeah. for entertainment because obviously the sky on top of that or virgin tv um it's amazing how much you're paying 
And with some of those services, you're still getting adverts. Do you know, it's interesting. I've read an article this week about about how the new... So, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't really have the subscription economy that we now have. And now many of us are really fully subscribed to the subscription economy. And it, it the, the article in this was saying... I can't remember where I read it, but they were basically saying that's going to move towards the consumption model. So instead of subscribing... Uh, just £9.99, let's say, for unlimited Spotify, there'll be a proportion of those people who would rather pay per song. Um, and if you're using, let's say, YouTube, and you only consume six movies or six pieces of content a month, you'd probably rather go on to that other model. But I don't know how that'll work out. But I, I think because I don't consume all that much, that kind of pricing might benefit me a little bit better. But now we've got to all go and refigure our lives again. Right, last article. Have we got time for this, gentlemen? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give this one to Paul. It is WordPress.org, Gutenberg Mobile Pages. Yeah. So this is a plugin by Poodle Press, which is, I think, a developer from Cheltenham, which is not too far from where I live, actually. In fact, I've been to the Cheltenham uh, WordPress meetup, and I was a speaker there, which was really good so evening. Yeah, it's good good times back back when we could go places. Um, this plugin solves a big problem in Gutenberg at the moment, which is how things look on mobile. Uh, for some of my clients, I've built out pre-made uh, block patterns to solve that problem for them. So I say, just use my block patterns. Then you won't have three columns. And then on mobile, your buttons are at the bottom for your products and your pictures are all at the top because that's what they did. This plugin solves that problem. Question I've got is, should this plugin need to exist? Uh, should it be that difficult to do mobile-friendly uh, pages in the block editor? It is. So fantastic product for solving that problem. Are we, but are I we... wish the problem didn't exist in the first place. And what this does for context, by the way, is you have your page, and then you create another version of it for mobile pages. Oh, okay. So you have two okay. versions of. Is, am I right with that, Leo? I think yeah. you're right. Um, yeah. But it goes further than that. But yes, you're right. Which which is a fantastic solution for the end user, and it fixes a problem in the core it tool that should get addressed in yeah the core tool. There's so, not a lot to say on this one from me. Just well, other the, than the, that, here it is. Go and check. There's it a lot out. to Leo. say on this, but I'll be quick. Um, so when you talk about mobile, you've actually got to really look at the fact that there is actually three different outputs for mobile now from uh, WordPress. One obviously is a mobile looking website. The second one is AMP. And the third one is uh, for Facebook is instant articles. All three of those are built to deliver a mobile uh, approach to there. Um, this last weekend as we've, Today is the was the first round of the Six Nations. Uh, that's one of the websites we deliver. Um, there's very interesting figure that I just gained just before we came on to have a quick look. Um, two years ago in the Six Nations, uh, we were running around about ninety percent of the traffic was mobile. Hmm. That's where you would expect it to be uh, for a live weekend. Interesting that figures dropped back this weekend. I suspect the reason it dropped back. Is because of COVID and people are actually sitting at home, yeah, and are able to watch, are able to use their PCs. You want the best screen in the house, yeah. 
in the best screen in the house. Inversely, the actual traffic figures have gone up quite significantly. Nice. So we've actually seen an increase, a big increase in traffic. Um, we're talking big. But at the same time, it's been on desktop, not mobile. Now, if you look at the site that we built and you compare, if you look at it on mobile, and it's obviously designed for it because it's a very, very fast site. It's super, super fast, both on the mobile site, whereas about as close as you can get to the app, you know, you won't see much difference and from right. the mobile site to the app to the app, and obviously the app's native. Um, it is interesting that the that that this problem shouldn't exist. Yes, um, but this problem, the fact that this problem has been flagged up, is a serious problem uh, that needs to be, as Paul said, why. You know, things should come straight out of the block editor, not only in mobile format, but from my view, they should be ready in instant articles and they should be in AMP as well until those disappear. So we should just say its name. It's called Gutenberg Mobile Pages. It's by Poodle Press. It's available on the WordPress.org repo. I don't know if there's a there's an option to sort of, um, I don't know if there's a freemium model or if there's any paid option, but uh Go and check it out. See what you think. See if it adds something to your block editor. Paul, you've muted yourself, Paul. We can't hear you. All probably, too easy. Probably better content, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> the, I muted myself because my dog's running around crazy around my, my feet at the moment. I think she needs a wee. <laughs> um, but uh, my proposition anyway, seeing as Gutenberg is a long-term project and is looking to the future and mobile first is probably you know, very relevant, is that things like blocks, block patterns, when when an end user is building, they should be building for mobile so that they don't have the how is this going to work on mobile problem. They have a, a much easier problem of just making it look a bit nicer on desktop. Nice. Um, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe we just need to worry about the desktop for a little bit longer until everybody's been inoculated and then we can start to forget about it all over again. <laughs> um I think yeah. I think we're done. We've we've basically done an hour and a half, which is kind of like the time allotted to it. So I shall oh, where have you guys gone? There you are. Put us back on the screen. Thank you so much to Paul Lacey. Thank you so much to Leo Mindell from Sotic. Um We'll be back next week chatting about the same kind of thing with, well, Leo, I, I can't remember if you're back next week, but it might very well be somebody I know shaking his head. I, I think I, th I, th I put my down myself down as once every month or so. I thought that was enough for you. Know, yeah, for, well, you're uh, very well. Otherwise, Paul would have just blocked me. Yeah, Paul, Paul put himself down for every single week. Bless him. I love him to bits. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. As I said, we'll be back this time next week, 2 p.m. UK time, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. I'm going to end the broadcast by saying bye-bye for now.